Welcome to the Get Loved Up podcast. I'm Koya Webb, founder of Get Loved Up, where we inspire you to love yourself more, love others more, and love the planet more. Each week, I'll interview a special guest who will share their insights on how they practice daily self-care, tackle tough challenges in life, and thrive in the world one breath at a time. You will be inspired to take control of your life as you heal yourself mentally, spiritually, and physically, and create a reality in alignment with your deepest passions. Let's get loved up. Hello, hello. Welcome to Get Loved Up Podcast. I'm your host, Koya Webb, and I am here with Deanna Carpenter. And I, this woman is magical. She sings like an angel. (laughs) She, I think when we first met, was at Agape. It was. And I'm just, I'm just happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being such a bright light. And I feel like we just kind of, I don't know why, but I want to start with a little music, okay. a little singing. Okay. So, <laughs> I, I, she has a whole album out, and what is your what is your favorite song on the album? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, so you know, as you know, when you're creating, it's like you're attached to all of your creations for one reason or, the another, or another. Um, but if I had to pick one song on my album, it would be Deaf Ears. Mm. It would be Deaf Ears. Um, I wrote, the lyrics to that song came through after I had prayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was at a low point in my life just trying to figure things out. I was actually driving Uber. Um, wow. I was driving Uber and I was like, I just seems like everything that I'm trying to do is just not working out. What am I not getting? What am I not listening to? What, what am I just, just not getting? And then maybe 10 minutes later, I, I start hearing, you know, I keep hoping and wishing and praying and thinking one day you'll hear me. Mm. And then it was like this refrain, and it was like, I hope you see me. I just hope that you'll love me and my silly dreams, but who am I kidding? I'm falling on deaf ears. And I was like, whoa. So, you know, I pulled over, pulled some paper out, wrote on the back, and I realized that was my higher self speaking to me. Like, we've been telling you, I've been talking to you, but you've been thinking it had to look another way or present itself as another way. And I, finally started listening when that song came through. Mm. So it's very near and dear to me. A lot of people think I'm talking about a relationship in that song. Mm-hmm. I've in, And you know, when we write, we kind of have to present it in a way that people can relate to. So it may feel like a relationship, but ultimately it's the relationship with myself. Wow, that is yeah. so powerful. Thank you. <laughs> you want to sing? Some? You can yeah. sing whatever you like. But. Okay, well, let me see. Okay, so another song on the, well, I can just sing Deaf Ears since I just brought it up. <laughs> You said leave, I came closer, you said go, I held on longer, just couldn't believe what I was seeing. When you fell down, I helped you back up when I was low, you let me tumble, couldn't believe what I was hearing. (laughs) <laughs> and nothing has changed, but my love for you, it still remains. I keep hoping and wishing and praying and thinking one day you'll see me. I keep hoping and wishing and praying and thinking one day you'll feel me. I keep hoping and wishing and praying and thinking one day you love me. 
and these silly dreams. But who am I kidding? I keep falling on deaf ears. Oh my goodness, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Your voice gives me chills. Oh, you sing you. like an angel. And I'm just so inspired by your journey. And I kind of want the listeners to kind of um, here because, you know, singing was a passion of mine, as you knew, mm -hmm. and something that I really had to heal mm -hmm. from not feeling like I could let my voice come out. So can you share kind of your journey to being in your power? Like, Absolutely. You know, as most people, I started out singing in the church. Mm -hmm. um, my aunt, Lena, uh, would pick me up on Saturdays and I would sing in the car with her, running errands, and we would Basically, she would tell me the songs that we were gonna sing the next day, mm. and we would just practice in her car. While I was in the church, I would go to church with my grandmother because my mother was a single parent at the time. So it was that the music in me was really cultivated by my aunts, mm. my uncles, and just people who would hear me sing, like, yeah, keep singing, baby, keep singing. Mm. And then, as I got a little older, went to high school and having to make choices around, you know, if I'm going to college, what I'm going to study, and it was highly encouraged for me to get a career, go to school, get a degree, graduate, mm -hmm. get a job, work, house, married kind of thing. And when I remember telling my family, especially particularly my parents, my mom and my stepfather, because my father passed when I was eight, my mom was like, there's really no career in music. And she said, you know, there's it's a tough market to break into. You know, I'm from Detroit, so Motown had left the city right. years ago. So she was just like, there's no, there's no future in that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. So I just kind of kept my singing to the side and I went down this path that I was encouraged to go down, which was fulfilling because I met some really great people, but the singing never left. So when I went to college, you know, people discovered that I could sing. So I was like, oh, you have these different talent shows and I'll sing in the talent shows. And, mm. you know, I would play to the talent shows and eventually I ended up uh, pledging a sorority and I became one of songbirds. So whenever we had functions and events, I would be singing. And then after I graduated from college, I started working for a newspaper and I was a copy editor, even though I um, initially interviewed as a reporter. So I'm following this kind of corporate life and right. it was you know I had these moments in that first year where I was like there's got to be more to life than just this there's more than it than just getting up in the morning going to an office staring at a computer all day and it and that fulfills some people but it was you know it was a little bit different for me mm -hmm. and then I had friends from college who would call on me to come sing once as they started getting married so I would go and sing at the different weddings mm -hmm. but I would say two defining moments was when my grandmother passed because mm -hmm. she was one of the people who really encouraged me to sing right. and when I saw a childhood friend um, after some years her father and he said so what are you doing and I was like oh I'm working for a newspaper and he was like why and I said, well, I went to school and got this degree. He said, you're supposed to be singing. And I didn't see him again after that. And he ended up passing some years later. Wow. But that kept, I don't want to say haunting me, but in a sense haunting me. Right. And with my grandmother transitioning and I um, sung at her funeral. And I remember it was almost like uh, something within me opened up. And there was this wave, like a really powerful wave of energy that just took over me and consumed me. Mm. And I was just like, okay, I need to honor this 
wasn't quite ready to honor it, but it, it got my attention. So those two things. And then I had, I went to grad school because mm-hmm. I was like, no, I know it's not journalism. So let me go see what else. <laughs> so I went to, I had moved to Chicago, went to grad school at DePaul and was studying nonprofit management. And while I was doing that, I was working with a nonprofit there. So I would always sing to the girls, mm. same thing. You need to audition for American Idol. You need to do this. <laughs> Just like those shows, no. Right. And I ended up, studying abroad in India for a month. Oh, wow. And my professors and classmates knew that I sing. And so the villagers, they sang this beautiful song to us. And then they wanted someone from our group to sing. And they called on me. Mm -hmm. And so I did the first verse of Amazing Grace, I believe. And um, although they didn't understand what I was singing, they felt it. And that was another pivotal moment because I was like, music transcends language. Right. And it really speaks to the heart, Mm -hmm. you know? And I said to myself, okay, you have a friend who's about to release her album. She tours all over Chicago. When you get back, you need to tell her that you want to support her in singing background. Mm. And so as soon as I got back, I told her, I was like, hey, I've been sleeping on my voice. I've been hiding it but I really am ready to sing and I want to support you. And she's like, that's good to know. And then like maybe 10 months later, she released an album and I was singing back up for her in Chicago. Wow. And it just kind of continued to build from there. Wow, that's yeah. so beautiful. Thank you. That's so beautiful. And and tell me a little bit about like your your album. So you you went out there, you started singing background. How did that transition yeah. to your album? So still a lot of, it's amazing what we have to heal Mm -hmm. in order to allow, to give ourselves that permission to really step in and own our expression. And so there are things coming up as far as like even intimate relationships that all plays into this album. So I was in some relationships that weren't necessarily loving, but I learned a lot from them. Mm -hmm. And I also had to, heal the relationship with my father again who had passed when i was eight right didn't even realize that i was upset at him for leaving me so there were abandonment issues i had to work through Mm -hmm. all of which were playing out in my intimate relationships Mm. and the whole time i was writing i was writing the whole time what i was feeling a lot of lyrics Mm -hmm. um, was coming up during that time looking back i realized i've been working on my album tsunami probably almost for a decade and didn't even know it because I was growing through the experiences that was inspiring the music that I would Mm -hmm. eventually write and share. So I was living in Chicago and I ended up dating this guy and I knew him from school and he moved to California and I had always felt that I was supposed to live in California, just wasn't sure why I was or how I was going to get out here. So I finished grad school. He moved out here. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to California moved to California, we broke up. Mm. And I was like, hmm. well, he got you here. <laughs> he got me here. And I was like, okay, he served his purpose. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much. Um, but I didn't get the lesson. I mm. clung to that, like trying to prove myself to him. Like I am what you need and mm. I'm gonna prove that I'm worthy of your attention and love and that I got your back and I'm not going anywhere. And Ooh, you're talking about like mm. and at some point during that relationship because it was like a four and a half year relationship off and on 
And I started having these insights of where it's like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you still here? Do you really love this person? Or is it that this whole issue around abandonment, you know, you want to hold on because you don't want to do to someone else what was done to you, at least in my rationale, you know, because right. I realized my little eight-year-old self was still running the show. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So I mm. um, finally let that go. And as soon as I did, so many opportunities started opening mm-hmm. up, especially with music. And um, I've, I finally said to myself, the next day isn't promised. Each day, each moment that I'm here means I'm another moment closer to transitioning. Right. I don't have as much time as I did 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So you're either going to do it or you're not. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then someone I just met through my ex, she was like, there's a producer who's looking for some people to work with. And I thought about you. Wow. She put me in touch with him and we started working on music together. And he's actually the producer who worked on Ocean, which is on my album. Oh. And then... Um, I started thinking about, okay, who do you already know? And there's people I went to school with in high school who were mm-hmm. producing. And I was like, hey, could you guys send me some tracks to write to? Or I would just start like singing into my recorder, sending them the um, MP3 so that they could build the music around it. Right. And that was pretty much how my album came together. And mm. I asked the album, like, what do we want to say? What are we wanting to convey here? And it's an album of coming into myself. You know, and it, wow. it kind of runs the gamut of emotions, a very emotional album. So mm-hmm. you can be feeling good and lifted and then you're very introspective, like, wow, you know, it's but that was very much that was the space that it was written in. You know, it's just mm-hmm. in all of my emotions. And it's so beautiful. Like I, I can listen to it daily and it's so rich. Like you could yeah. tell that you put a lot of your heart and soul into it. And so what would you say, like, you know, if someone's out there listening and they're like, wow, I wish I could do that. What would be your advice to them Mm -hmm. if they want to create their own album and and be able to face those fears? I would say my advice would be you've already been creating that album. Mm -hmm. Your life is the album. Mm -hmm. If someone wants to write a book, your life is the book. Right. I think, um, again, for me, I was getting tripped up with it, having to be a certain way and look a certain way and happen by a certain time. Mm And I realize now I can have more experiences to speak from versus maybe 10 or 15 years ago when, you know, I'm still green and figuring it all out, (laughs) even though there's still so much more for me to learn. Right. (laughs) But I would say trust that inner knowing and trust your gift. Mm. Trust your gift and also trust that if you have that gift, Mm -hmm. there's already means and resources and people in place to support it right but none of that gets activated until you trust the gift Mm. it's like um i've been using this analogy lately of a light bright Mm -hmm. where it comes with the designs already right but you have to put it on the i guess board and then you start plugging in so that the design comes into view but you know a lot of us are like those light brights we have the potential we have all the tools but until you start activating the design it's just it's just there waiting on you and so i say you know trust your gift trust your gift know that your gift already comes fully supplied with everything you need to manifest it Mm -hmm. so you know have faith in your um your gift trust your life because it is your greatest inspiration and muse Mm -hmm. and um trust spirit Mm. and you know i know some people may 
have a relationship with the ancestral realm, but that's a big thing for me is connecting right. with your ancestors because, you know, they know you can do it. They already see what's ahead better than we can. Mm -hmm. And so connect with their wisdom because I feel like they were staying on me, which is why this album came out. <laughs> and what is your advice on like connecting with ancestors? Because I know not a lot of people know or do that work. Mm -hmm. well, how do you do it for yourself? And how do you suggest other people? I, it's so, it's simple. And yet it's funny because it's so simple. I, with my father, for example, I wrote him a letter. Mm -hmm. Um, because it just kept coming up, this whole issue of abandonment and just wanting to cling in relationships. Right. And I was like, okay, there's a, this is a, there's a pattern. I wrote him a letter and I apologized for, you know, being upset with him all this time. And I told him that I wanted a, a relationship with him. Mm. I said, just because I said, I get it that your physical form had to, you know, I want to say expired, but I know your physical form had to rest, but I know energy always lives on. So I know you're still around and I know mm -hmm. you hear me. And I said, so I want a relationship with you. And <laughs> my father shows up in, in ways that I can just feel, like I know when he's around because someone to say something and it feels very fatherly, mm -hmm. um, even in the hugs that I receive from people and even through my music, that's mm -hmm. how soul was written. Soul was written. I, share with people that my father channeled through me that song. Wow. That was his response to my letter was soul. So as a practice and how to get into that, simply just say, it's like opening the door because one thing I've, I've learned is that our angels and ancestors are always around. Mm -hmm. We give them permission to be involved in our lives in the, and to what extent and degree. And right. sometimes the greatest way to invite them in is just simply asking for help. Mm -hmm. And when I heard someone say that, I went in one of my journals and literally wrote big letters, help. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know That's what clear. this is. Right. I don't know what to do with this, help. Mm. And I was like, you know, I'm calling on the ancestors and angels who have my highest good, mm -hmm. highest good right. at heart and help and stuff starts happening. Phone calls start, you know, you get a phone call from a person like, yeah, you know, I have this opportunity and you crossed my mind right. or you've just been on my spirit. Mm -hmm. So I'm reaching out what's going on. And then you right. share with them what's going on. And it's like, oh, I'm going to connect you with this person. Like, that's how it works. Right. So I would say just first of all, um, ask for help. Be willing to invite them in. Mm. invite them in because they're there right. you know um, and also realizing that death is not the final it's the it's it's a door right and we still have access to you know our parents our siblings our friends and as you invite them in and give them permission start paying attention to your dreams mm -hmm. start paying attention to the hunches that you get or just the little whispers that you catch because that's them communicating right. so yeah you can even start with a journal just writing out your questions or you know writing even help if, right <laughs> help help you know big letters and and even if you want you're upset with an ancestor because mm -hmm. that's a big one for a lot of people right. you can heal that so that it frees them up as well to be there for you but in the spiritual right you know? so that's yeah. so beautiful that's so beautiful i feel like a lot of people forget 
you know, about the spirit realm. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of want to dive into that a little bit, like your spirituality and because you could feel your energy when you walk into the room. And then I am definitely connected to you on a spiritual level, which some people is stronger than others. You know, Mm -hmm. some people, it might be physical. Some people might be energetic. But for me, like I connect with people in different ways. And for Mm -hmm. you, there's a spiritual connection. So can you talk about your spiritual journey um, and kind of share like how that and how that leads you. Yeah, so I grew up in the church. I don't think there was a moment where I was not in church, um, but background was it was Baptist. Mm -hmm. So like most people, my ancestors came from the South, you know, so they brought that Southern Baptist church where you revivals all week. And as a kid, (laughs) I remember being in the pews, like, can I please go home and just, (laughs) but you know, the scriptures stayed with me. Right. So from a very early age, you know, scriptures and just different uh, words were getting implanted into me. Like I said, I went to church primarily with my grandmother growing up um, because my mom worked so much. And then once my mom got married, it shifted. And so we started going to church together with my mom and her mm. husband, my, my stepfather. We started going to church as a family. And so we went to this church. It was like a non-denominational church, which was new for me because mm. I was like, okay, I'm used to this very praise heavy, like, and ah, I got to praise, like, you know, just a very certain delivery in the message that I was used to. And I go to this church and it was really different. Um, And I remember kind of hanging back because it was different and because I was still upset that I was no longer going to church with my grandmother. But thank God I wasn't too closed off because Mm -hmm. that experience started opening me up to just to spirituality and not just religion. It wasn't, you know, like, the Baptist church was, I feel, very good and still is. And it was a great introduction into like the Bible, yet there was something missing. And for me, what was missing was that aspect of not looking outside of yourself for the answer. So all I knew was externally focused. Right. And so I get to this church and they're starting to kind of, well, God is very, is closer than you think. And I was like, really? You know, like, you know, saying all these things and I, it, sat with me and I'm like, okay, I got to come back to that. But I'm in high school, not really knowing too much right. of what was going on, but still listening. And then went to college. I attended an AME church, which mm-hmm. was still very structured. And it was kind of, uh, it reminded me of my Baptist upbringing. So I was there. But honestly, the journey started when I moved to Wisconsin for my first newspaper job. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in Wausau, Wisconsin, which had a 0.08% black population. Wow. So because I come from a black, all black city, Detroit, went mm-hmm. to a historically black college for school, it was a big culture shock for me. Right. So I didn't connect with any of the churches there. Mm-hmm. So I started, to go, I started going to the Wisconsin River every Sunday, and that was my church. Mm. And I would be at the water, go sit in a tree, and I would just hear things that felt really good to my heart and soul. And then I kind of wanted to take on the Bible. Like, I was like, well, let me really read the Bible. And the Bible looked differently to me, like just the scriptures. I was like, wow, this is interesting. Like, it was, I got a greater appreciation for the Bible. And then I left Wisconsin, but that being in nature never left me. It just continued to build with every place I moved to. Mm. And then I went to this um, church in the South. Um, I can't think of it. It was FWPC, I think, but I can't think of the, the name right now. But the husband, it was a husband and wife team. 
And to me, they were so progressive in small town Columbus, Georgia. <laughs> and he said one day, you are a God. He said this to people it was during a Bible study. He's like, you are a God. You are a God. You come from God. And he broke down the scriptures in a way I hadn't heard. Mm -hmm. And up until that point, if you say you're God or try to claim it, it was blasphemy, you mm -hmm. know? But he said it with such passion and, and authority. I was like, wait a minute. And then I started again looking at the scriptures differently. Like, oh, it does say that mm -hmm. in the scriptures, but it's not often what's taught. Right. So that, again, opened me up even more. And I went to a summer camp of all places. It was called Camp Butterfly. And I think mm. that's what really set me on this. It really pushed me further along. I had volunteered um, that year. Mm -hmm. It was based in Chicago. I was living in Georgia at the time. And I flew up there and we get into this beautiful brownstone house on the <laughs> south side of Chicago. The first thing I see on the walls, 42 Laws of Mayotte. Mm. And I'm like, who is Mayotte? What is this? I started reading and I'm thinking it's just a summer camp, but this is a very, it was a very spiritual awakening camp. Mm. It was uh, disguised as a camp, but a lot more was going on. Right. I left that camp being connected to my breath in mm -hmm. a way that I hadn't been, being able to rub my hands and then hold them apart and feel the energy, things I didn't know prior right. to that moment and smudging mm -hmm. that's when wow I first, they went there they went there wow then i heard about and how old were you at this time i was 25. okay and um, but our our um the youth they were between the ages of um seven to 17. yeah that was mm -hmm. the age group we served and you know i learned about smudging that's when i heard about honoring the ancestors because it was an elder going through like clearing that space and then she had certain offerings that she put on the altar mm. and i'm like what are they doing you know it was so amazing to me wow. and i left there just okay who is who is mayat because i need to figure <laughs> out who she is what is a uh, you know it was a lot of the elders there uh practice, they didn't practice, but they were of the Yoruban tradition. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I gotta look into that. And then I just started, I don't know, I felt like that activated a door because then I would stumble across an, an article here where an artist that I was following recommended her top five books. And one of them was Paramahansa Yogananda's Autobiography of a Yogi. Right. So I went and ordered that. And then um, there was, someone was like, I think you're ready. You should read a separate reality. And I was just like, okay. And then someone else recommended the Celestine Prophecy. It was just, I had got to a point where I was very curious about things. And then I started to see oneness in all these different, they're all saying the same things, just different exp different expressions of the same core message. Right. And I remember having a conversation with my mom, like, mom, like I'm so excited, passionate. <laughs> and she said to me, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Deanna, yeah. We got off the phone three days later. She called me back and was like, yeah, I was thinking about our conversation the other day. You're not converting, are you? You're not converting to another religion. I was like, Ma. I was like, no, <laughs> I'm expanding, you know, my spiritual awareness. And so um, started reading those books and diving into those books. And um, things started opening up for me. The, the first time I read Sacred Woman, Queen Afua, was when I was 25. Mm. I know it's time for me to revisit it, you know. She just came out with a revised version, Yeah, I she think. did, yeah. she did. That's and amazing. so she was very much pivotal in that as well. Um, I've met her once. Mm. 
Mm. Uh, it's just like things just started coming to me. I felt like, again, angels and ancestors were placing things on my path because I love to read right. and I love to write. So I would start getting like downloads and just writing things and questioning things and mm -hmm. more answers would come. And then someone recommended me watch The Secret. And mm. I was like, okay. And I watched it, was drawn to all everyone who was on there. And then I see this guy with locks and I'm like, huh. Like what he said really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'm in Chicago by this point since I moved. I've hopped around quite a bit, but I'm back in Chicago and decided to work with the camp um, mm -hmm. as one of their staff and while I'm in grad school and um, was singing background and there was this table set up. And because one was Dr. Michael's uh, spiritual liberation book, another one was Paramahansa Yogananda, it was like a book of prayers. Mm -hmm. And I resonated more with Dr. Michael's book, but I bought Paramahansa's book because I was familiar with him right. and I still haven't finished Paramahansa's book you know <laughs> and so long story short I ended up moving to California and I met two people within a span of a month who were like oh you should come to my spiritual center Agape and I'm like oh okay what's Agape they're like oh you will love it it's this beautiful community I'm like okay cool and I finally decide to go and I, for, I was blown away. I think mm -hmm. it would, may have been a little bit too much for me at points. So I was like, wow, this is this is real? <laughs> like, right. this is a real thing? And it wasn't until maybe a couple times visiting that I, it hit me that the guy on stage was the guy on The Secret. The right. guy was like, oh, that's the dude from The Secret. <laughs> and it's just been, and you would think like, um, but I resisted it. I wasn't right. ready. I was, but I was still wanting to hold on to a smaller version of myself, mm -hmm. still wanting to hold on to this relationship and okay. wanting him to be more involved in my life than what he was. And like, let's go to Agape, come, come, come. And, and he didn't want to. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to go. Because, mm. you know, it's just so, but it was, thank God for growth. But yeah, right. it's just like, oh my goodness. Um, and then finally, 2016, I had by this point broken up, I had ended that relationship and I woke up when I say it was a spring equinox, and I said, "You need." I was like, "I need to be in community." Mm. And then I said, "Agape." And at that point, Agape was the only place I visited once I moved to California. And I said, "I'm going to Agape," and I've been there ever since. And so, how hey, many years has so, that been? So, Agape. I've been going to Agape consistently for three years, and um, but off and on since 2012. Right. And uh, I've been here in California, which is hard to believe, since 2011, October 2011. Wow, so. that's amazing. Yeah. I love how you said, I didn't convert, I expanded. Mm -hmm. That's very powerful. Can you share some more? Because I think a lot of people have had traumatic experiences mm -hmm. when it comes to churches and separation of churches and yeah. things like that. And like, are you this or are you that? Can you share a little bit about that spiritual expansion that you Absolutely. It's really interesting because one of the things that I'm finding even now as I continue to grow and continue to read and just be open, it's just like everyone, it's all saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. So when you really realize that at the core and the foundation is all saying the same thing, it's really no way to convert from that. It's right. just building upon that because you recognize that it's all saying the same thing, mm -hmm. which is really pointing to love, mm -hmm. love of self. You know, when you love yourself, there's no way you're going to harm the earth. There's no way you're going to harm or say anything to other people. Right. It's just love. It all points us back to love. And what do so, you feel like the oneness, like that connection? Yes. Um, 
So as you know, I just got back from Kemet or Egypt. Yes. I was going to get to that, but look, we could do it now. <laughs> That's coming up for you. Yes, Kemet. So even before, so let me, let's, we'll, we'll say that. So when it comes back to the oneness, I feel like Kemet sealed it for me mm. because in the months leading up to, in the years leading up to going to Agape, they right. stress oneness. It's oneness, oneness, and love. You know, oneness, 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 love. And I was getting it, but it was still very much a, a thought. Like, oh, okay, I get it mentally to an extent, but it wasn't all aligning right. for me in my, in my walk, rather. Mm-hmm. And then, again, one of the reasons I love Agape is that Reverend Michael brings some powerful teachers to the community. And for me, one of those teachers is Brother Ishmael Tete. Mm -hmm. And so I heard him speak, went to one of his retreats, and then I ended up signing up for his daily 6 a.m. calls. And they're called the Three Mystical Truths. And he pretty much builds upon. Mm -hmm. And even it's like everything that Reverend Michael talks about, is it's there, but it's um, taught from the perspective of nature. Right. So whereas for a lot of people, nature and, you know, just the human experience are separate, Brother Ishmael shows how it's really all one. Mm-hmm. And then he's really big on, you got to find the evidence, find the evidence in nature of your abundant nature. Right. And then I started looking around, like, even the fact that you and I are here mm-hmm. and we started out as a single cell and then under the right conditions became these beautiful, this, you know, Right. That's abundance, mm-hmm. you know, or looking at the single grain of corn when planted becomes a whole field. Right. And realizing that the very same substance and spirit that allows that to happen is what's within me. Mm. It's like, oh, so I'm no different from the sun. Right. The moon. Mm-hmm. We are the moon. The mountains are there. They remind us of our own expansiveness, our ability to reach high, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and then I started to develop a greater appreciation for earth, for fire, for the air and water, because I realized they all have a sacred agreement that makes life possible, even human life. Mm -hmm. And so through these teachings, honestly, I have to thank Agape and the Ethereum mission, Brother Ishmael, and just with me practicing it mm-hmm. and see, like it was like I'm going to find the evidence so that I can know this for myself as opposed to someone telling it to me right. and I'm living through them mm-hmm. but being able to practice it just by paying attention to nature if you're ready to become a certified yoga teacher or simply want to learn how to live a healthier lifestyle you're in the right place our get loved up 200 hour 300 hour and acro yoga teacher training will enhance your existing yoga practice introduce you to a world of teaching yoga and inspire you to live a healthy lifestyle on a daily basis yoga and acro yoga is a beautiful practice filled with connection trust community and support We believe as you evolve on your mat, you evolve in the world. Learn how to connect with yourself, to each other, and the earth in deep and meaningful ways. You will learn how to build a community and support yourself and each other. You'll learn how to lift the world by lifting your vibration. You'll learn the three major roles in acro yoga, which is a base, a flyer, and a spotter. You'll learn how to flow on your mat. You will learn Sanskrit. You will learn healthy eating and holistic nutrition. Mentally, spiritually, and physically, you will find yourself evolving in every area of your life. 
So if you would like to take this practice of yoga and teach others, or if you just like to uplift yourself, join us for our Get Loved Up yoga teacher trainings. We have one more left this year in Jamaica, and you can go to KoyaWeb.com or Get Loved Up Daily to check them out. Right. And so how does that help you get through challenge? Because you can like, okay, nature's good, but what happens when there's hurricanes and in your life there's drama and trauma and ridicule and rejection? Like, how do you um, deal with that and how do you process? So I'll share. Um, so 2017, when I wrote Deaf Ears, that was probably that was the year of undoing for Deanna. Like, that was the year of my undoing, as mm-hmm. I call it. Like, everything, because even though I was growing more and delving into spiritual uh, spirituality more and mm-hmm. allowing that part of myself to evolve, there were still things that I just wasn't quite getting. Right. Um, and so family situations, when you make choices, you put yourself um, last because you want to provide for or help out a sibling or, you know, money, you know, is a big issue to work through for me with family. Um, but even relationships and I felt it and I remember like, okay, I'm on these calls and he's given us these tools. Let me kind of put them to use. So I definitely acknowledged the fact that I was hurt. Mm-hmm. I was upset. I was frustrated. I gave myself time to feel it all, right. to be upset, um, to, to curse if I needed to, <laughs> you know, just kick and scream. Mm-hmm. And then... Once I felt like I acknowledged and honored it, I would say, okay, what is true? What is true about this? But I had to allow myself to feel what Mm. it was because that's the part I think sometimes with being spiritual, we forget you're still having this experience, you know? So what is it here to teach you? How is it here to evolve you? So I would say, I would get the kicking and screaming out. Mm -hmm. I would turn off my phone. I would do what I had to do to get that rage out because rage is actually a healthy thing when channeled properly. Right. Because it puts you into a space of action and you Mm -hmm. realize that it came up because something needed to be healed. That's powerful. That's so powerful. And something needed to be healed. Mm -hmm. And so a lot still needed to be healed, most of which was suppression. I was always suppressing what I felt, my voice, I was putting people before my own needs, even though I knew to say no, but I didn't because I wanted to please people and I always want to be considered Mm. as kind and nice. And I suffered in 2017 for that because I made a lot of choices that put me behind. And I remember just wanting to leave this realm, asking, I was like, you know what, God, if, if you just want to call me back home, this would be a good time because it was getting mm. really, it was getting really um, painful. And where did you think that pain was coming from? It was coming from not just even, it was just, I was just talking to a friend last weekend. It was a part of my curriculum. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was a part of my soul curriculum. Mm. You know, like I had to experience that. Right. Because that was what my soul wanted to evolve in this lifetime. Mm. Being able to speak up for myself. Right. To to really honor my voice and honor my heart. Mm -hmm. That was my soul's agreement this lifetime. So everything that supports that happening is going to happen, even if it hurts me in this lifetime, in the moment. Right. 
Because once I get it and I'm working, moving through it, it's like, oh, this is why this is happening. So even how I look at all my relationships, I was talking to another good girlfriend of mine. I said, girl, I don't even look at my, my, my exes the same. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm literally taking from those relationships the, the lessons and how they help me grow. Right. Because that's what they were there for. That's what right. we all are there for in each other's lives. So when I meet people now, I look at them and I say to myself, like, what was our agreement? Right. What was our agreement? How will I grow? How will I grow and that's how will so I help beautiful. you grow? Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's been a very powerful, um, that's, that's how I've been getting through. I had to surrender to it. I had to allow it. Mm-hmm. And again, the answers are all within our spiritual text. Right. You know, everything is a, an experience to grow and evolve our souls, which yeah. already are, they're already evolved. Right. You know, however, you know, earth is a big school that we agree to come mm-hmm. here as to, you know, advance things forward. And so. And is that what you mean by spiritual curriculum? Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people haven't yeah, heard of that before. So, yeah. Like, and if, if, again, people's beliefs are different, but I am, I really do believe that, you know, before we came here, we had a council of people, council of, you know, a team in the spiritual realm who's like, okay, you know, this is what you want to experience in this lifetime. So this is going to happen. You're going to meet these people. You kind of know that. And sometimes when you meet people, it's like, you feel like I know you, even though this is your first time meeting in this life, but there's something in them that connects with you. It's because, right. yeah, you guys knew each other you know, before you got here. Mm-hmm. And so the, the curriculum is like, if you look at Earth as a school mm-hmm. and every, every interaction, um, every um, trial and even the successes, Right. It's like a big school, you know, Absolutely. what happens in school, you know, you, you learn this information, you take tests, you know, so when things happen in life, good, bad, or indifferent, they're all tests. Mm-hmm. Even the goodness that happens right. in a, in a, is, in a, is a test, like right. how will you move forward from that? How will you share that goodness with others? Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. how will you, um, how will you continue to uh, be open to even greater and not settling for that and knowing that there's still more to receive. Right. You know, so yeah, if you just look at your life as like I am a student and I am here learning and at the same time I'm the teacher mm-hmm. because I'm going to provide learning opportunities for other people too. That's powerful. I feel like that I am a student and I am a teacher. Mm-hmm. I think some people that feel like they're you know, just a student. And some people feel like, oh, I'm just a teacher. I don't have more to learn. But I definitely resonate with you on that. Like, I am forever a student and forever a teacher Teacher. at the same time. And how how can you help people who, like, I don't see myself. Like, I can't help anybody. I haven't done the work that they've done. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you say to them? Hmm. I I literally just, someone said something similar on Facebook. Um, And I said to her, I said, never underestimate the value of a smile, mm. a hug, mm-hmm. or literally seeing someone on the street and giving them eye contact, Right, saying hello. So everyone can do it. Everyone can be a teacher. Everyone is. It's nothing. Nothing's off limits in how you express and show up as a teacher in mm-hmm. people's lives. I remember one of my exes. I have a thing for when I'm walking and I'm like, if I see you, I'm going to make eye contact with you and I'm going to say hello. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, 
why are you saying hello to these people? They not looking at you. They don't. They don't want to say hi to you. Why are you saying hi to these people? <laughs> and I had a moment to make it. I had a choice to make in that moment. I could have listened to him, right? Which would have been going against myself. Mm-hmm. But I was like, just because they don't speak, I'm going to still speak because right. I don't know. I probably, you know, just acknowledging that that person is there. You don't know what that does for them. Mm-hmm. So, in every moment. I mean, just being who you are and, like I said, a smile, a mm-hmm. hug, just, oh, you look so beautiful in that dress today. Right. Or, oh, my God, that haircut is sharp on you. Whatever that is. Right. Those are, those are, don't dis, don't discount that. Don't discredit that. Right. I think that's powerful because you're not letting someone else's reality or anyone else's assumption of their reality affect your reality. Exactly. You're like, this is my reality. I'm a happy person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to connect with you. Whether you connect with me or back, it's like, it's unconditional love. It's unconditional. Like, that's exactly what you're doing. Like, conditional is like, are you going to respond back? Oh, right. that person didn't even speak back. Right. And now they are affecting your reality when your goal was to affect theirs. Exactly. But when you unconditionally love, you're able to stay in this vibration mm-hmm. rather than being thrown off, waiting for a response or having an expectation. Right. That is, that is so, so very powerful. That is such a beautiful way to live and and be. And what happens when someone does affect your reality? Like, let's say the government and the Mm -hmm. president and, and, you know, all of these traumatic things that are happening in the world and countries. Like, how do you breathe through that? That's a really great question. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's hard. We got the hard questions coming out. It's like, whoo, how? Because that's a real, like, okay, I know that this is all an illusion, but this feels real, you know. Right. This is affecting millions of people, and it may not be affecting me, quote unquote, directly. But because it's affecting people, it's affecting me. Because right. again, the oneness piece, right? And we Absolutely. feel it mm-hmm. as sensitives, light workers. However, you identify yourself, you feel it. You, mm-hmm. you know. But again, what I cu- I keep coming back to is that we all chose to come here at this time. We all chose to play the roles that we're playing. Mm-hmm. Trump is playing his role very well. Mm-hmm. And it is it is calling us to do the same. Mm-hmm. So this is a time where light workers need to rise. It is a time where the empaths need to feel. We need to feel it all. We need to expose it all, mm-hmm. so that we can really help humanity, Earth, transition and elevate to the level that it's going. Mm-hmm. And so, but again, honoring how you feel. Mm-hmm. I'm very upset. This is pissing me off. Why is he doing this? Why did this person do this? Do they not get it? Ugh. I just want to strangle him. If honor it, you know, <laughs> honor it all. Honor right. it. Because again, if you don't, you're just making it worse because mm-hmm. it's going to seep up in another way. Right. So honor it and then just take a step back too. It's mm-hmm. like one of my favorite books is called Leadership on the Line. Mm. And they gave this analogy of being able to be on the dance floor mm-hmm. and dance, but also knowing when to remove yourself from the dance and just stand on the balcony to see what's going on. Mm. And we have to know how to flow between the two. Right. Be in the dance, mm-hmm. but also, okay, let me go let me go step on the balcony so I can see what's going on. Right. So I would say dance which mm-hmm. is like feeling everything and have the conversations, but then come on the balcony, get a, a better perspective so that when you return to the dance, you can, through your movement, through what you say, you can kind of augment what's going on on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're in a, a time of 
great shifting and transformation. Mm-hmm. If you didn't feel it, you, we're feeling it now, mm-hmm. you know, and it's coming up in ways because it's time. Right. It's time. It's time for it to come up. And we all agreed to come here at this time. Mm-hmm. So in some way or another, we have a responsibility. But what that looks like depends on the individual, you know, right. how you contribute. And what I've learned is that it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be this big thing. Focus on the quality that you want to see more of. Mm-hmm. So for me, before I go into a place, I focus on love and joy and enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I know I bring that. So I'm like, okay, I just want to bring that wherever I go. And what happens is that when I meet people, they look at me and it's like, oh, you know, thank you so much. I just feel the love or whatever that looks like. They'll feel it, even though they may not. I didn't say it out loud, like, oh, I set this intention for love, you mm-hmm. know. But if everybody set an intention, you can change your family dynamic. You can shift your work environment mm-hmm. just by saying, I'm going to hold the space of love. Right. I'm going to hold the space of joy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to do anything other than just be that. Right. Just show up and be it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it really, I've seen it where it, it transforms over time. And so I just think that we all have to, again, never underestimate the power of a small act. Because mm-hmm. sometimes those small acts are what really shifts the dynamic. So, you know, when Donald Trump, President Trump, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, when he got in office. <laughs> when he got in office. When he was laying in there. It was like, I was like, well, this is going to be interesting because this is going to be interesting for years. And I said, well, there are no accidents. Mm -hmm. You know, this is like, I think William Shakespeare said it best, you know, all the world's a stage and we're all just merely actors. Each Mm -hmm. one has their entrance and exit. So, you know, if you look at it from that perspective, then it's like, this is one of the greatest dramedies playing out right now. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, what's my part? What's my role? Mm-hmm. You know, right. what, how am I contributing to all of this? Right. Um, and so, but yeah, again, honor it, even though I know that he's very good at, you know, he, he he's in office for a reason. Because mm-hmm. I don't, in my lifetime, I've never seen this much activism. Our parents have, you know, in the 60s and right. you know, things like that. But this is a great time to right. really stand up mm-hmm. and make not just change, but things that like transform and transmute right. energy, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was my thoughts, but still honor how you feel because right. it's real. It's, mm-hmm. it's still there. And so how do you, based on this and based on a lot of, you know, some people feel that it's manipulation happening and things mm-hmm. like that and you being a light worker and standing for love and peace, how do you, in your daily walk, in your daily teachings, because I know you lead a lot of people, but how do you really breathe into that space of holding space when so many people are constantly being manipulated and um, even charged or even Mm -hmm. coming out Mm -hmm. with all of this hate and abuse and and things like that. I, like you said, I I breathe Mm -hmm. and I allow myself to feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I say, okay, but what is true? That question mm-hmm. has saved me many. And what is true? What is true? What is true? What is for true? you? For me, what is true? What I know for sure <laughs> is that there is a presence 
that runs through and is in everything, mm -hmm. whether you call that God, you know, the Christ energy or whatever that looks like, there's this presence and it's not, it's within all of us mm -hmm. in all things, what I've come, what is true, all things always work together for the highest good. Right. And it's not just for some people, it's for all people. Mm. So we can trust and believe that President Trump, there's things that he's having to grow through and evolve through in his lifetime as well, mm -hmm. just as much as I am. Mm -hmm. And Brother Ishmael said this once, he was like, and this really resonated with me, he said, you may not have been raped, but you may have had a lustful thought towards someone. Just because you didn't act on it doesn't mean that the energy behind it wasn't there because you thought about it. Right. How many times have I wanted to go off on someone or punish someone because I didn't like them when I was younger or they mm -hmm. said something to me that hurt me? Mm -hmm. When he said that, I was like, wow, mm -hmm. I'm not really too different. Mm -hmm. When we really acknowledge those shadows, you right. know, it's like, oh, man, which gives me more compassion. Right. You know, for... President Trump and four people who are making these choices, the higher powers that be, you know, in the states that are making these choices that feels like, gosh, are you, do you not feel that? Do you mm -hmm. not have a soul sometimes? It makes you wonder. But it's like, okay, I have to remember that <clears throat> they have their life lesson and that they're just on a different path at the moment, but it all leads back to source, mm -hmm. all of it. Right. All of it. That's huge. All of it. That's huge. So that is what gets me through the mm -hmm. madness, mm. is that all things always work out for the good, and it all returns to source. Speaking of source, yes. Kemet. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. Let's talk about, is that the source? Ooh. Is that the beginning? What did you experience? So, I want to know. Um, I have been preparing to go to Kemet, I would say, <laughs> all my life. Um, and just didn't know it. Um, there was this painting that my mom brought for me when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And it was, now I realized it was of a Nubian princess. Mm -hmm. And she was just sitting there thinking. And it was over my bed and I love that, love that photo. Um, and then when I went to Camp Butterfly and saw the 42 Laws of Mayotte, there were always these mm -hmm. little, like we're just gonna put this right here so she'll see it and catch her attention. Right. Um, the, I wanted to go to Kemet in 2009, so 10 years ago, actually. I really wanted to go, and I wanted to go with this, um, I can't think of his name right now, your sir, your sir Hotep, but he was leading. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yoga. Yeah, your yeah. sir. Uh -huh. so he was doing yoga in uh, Kemet, and I really right. wanted to go. Um, but you're talking about not, I was very much scarcity, scarcity mindset. So when I saw the price, I was like, oh, I can't afford it. I, I just automatically was like, I can't afford it. I can't afford right. to go. Um, and I was in a relationship and I wanted us to go together with this whole thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then um, started going to Agape and in 2016, that was when Agape went and I was like, gosh, I had the money for it. And I was like, I should go, but I couldn't get the time off. Mm -hmm. And instead of, again, saying like, no, this is, this is important for me. I'm gonna right. go, I didn't, but I still, it wasn't meant for me to go in 2016, but this was the year. Mm. Um, 
(laughs) (laughs) All I can say, um, as soon as we touched down in Cairo and I walked into the airport, I just started crying. Mm. Like, I mean, bawling, crying. Felt my whole body just buzzing. And in the days leading up to it, I started hearing songs, catching visions of different hieroglyphs and just like a part of me was waking up and remembering. Right. And um, my dreams just became super vivid leading up to, to being there. And I get there and I'm just like, whoa, you know. And everywhere I went, you know, people was like, oh, you know, Nubian queen, Nubian, Nubian queen. Mm. And I'm just like, then when we start going into the temples and you see these beautiful reliefs mm-hmm. and hieroglyphs and you're staring at yourself, like things activate when you go to Kemet. Right. Um, if nothing else, you remember who you are. And even if you can't mentally grab hold of it, mm-hmm. everything else in you does. Your heart cracks open wider. Right. You know, you feel deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel Kemet is the beginning. Mm. It's just, uh, you know, I'm still processing that experience. And, right. Um, but there's a certain level of confidence that comes when you go over there. Right. It's almost like um, I wrote in my journal, I said I needed to come home to remember who I am. Mm. I needed to come back here to, because I do feel in my heart that I spent time there in previous lives. Right. The pyramid at Giza mm. is, the, the, the Great Pyramid is very powerful. It's like a a conductor of energy, and I just felt like I was being charged the whole time I was there. Wow. I've described it as one big mirror. Like, I was like, Kemet is like a mirror. It's like holding, it's like reminding you of who you are at every turn. Wow. At every turn. At every turn. There's no way that you can go over there and not come back walking a little bit taller Mm. and deeply feeling good about yourself and all that you're here to share. There's just a confidence that just consumes you and takes over. And I highly recommend everyone go at least once. I love that. And what was your most magical moment, would you say? I was asked to sing in the Great Pyramid at Giza, um, which was very powerful. But my most magical moment was probably um, visiting Kom Ombo Temple, which was in Aswan. And um, it was a hospital. And one side was for ophthalmology and the other side was like, I think it was for birth. Like a woman would come there and, and give birth. And I went into this area and Akili, who was Reverend Michael's brother, was just explaining the, the reliefs. And one of the things I love about Akili and Rev is that they allowed us to have our experience when we were over there. So mm-hmm. they would share, but not so much to where it would influence our own um, experience in the different temples. Right. So we went into this one relief, um, this one room, and um, there was this beautiful relief of an initiate in mm-hmm. the middle. And behind him was, um, I think it was Horus. No, no, no. Because in, right in front of the initiate and right behind him was a goddess. Mm. Sekhmet was in front of him, feeding him the Ankh, which represents eternal life. And I believe it was either Hathor or Isis behind him. And then it was like, uh, Horus and another deity 
um, behind him. And I just could not leave that room. Mm. And so as everyone else was going through the rest of the temple, I went to Reverend Cheryl and I said, I'm going to go back to this room and I'm going to sit there, you know, for a little bit of time. And she said, okay, I was like, I just wanted people to know where I was at. So I went back in there and I'm just staring at this relief, mm-hmm. just watching, just looking at the images. And I just, I literally felt my heart like opening. Mm-hmm. Like I felt it opening. Mm-hmm. And what was so powerful about that one particular relief is that I really got clear on how truly supported I am. Right. Every step of the way, mm-hmm. every step of the way, just seeing that, you know, see something about seeing that initiate, because I feel like in so many ways we all we all are initiates right. in this school of life, you mm-hmm. know, and seeing how he was supported by right. Sekhmet was right in front of him. Right. And she's the remover of obstacles in ancient Kemet. Right. She she clears the way mm-hmm. and for her to be right there in front of him, you know, and I was like. But that's how it is. Right. You know? And explain initiates and what you, you mean by all of us being that. I feel that initiates, the way I look at it, is just a person, any person who is desiring to, is going back to the conversation earlier about each of us having a soul curriculum. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when we came to this earth, we already kind of came here in initiate mode, you know, because mm-hmm. we're going to go through these different experiences in life that evolves us. It's right. like the hero's journey, as they call it. Like mm-hmm. everything we go through is really serving us in our evolution and right. our expansion. And so an initiate is just another way of, to me, like back in ancient Kemet, there were certain people who had to go through certain requirements, if you will, and based on them, again, everything's a school. so them learning the lessons they'd be able to, and once they kind of tested and proved, they would go to the next level. Right. So I feel like when I speak of initiates and it's saying that we all are initiates, it's like we're here to evolve some aspect of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're here lets us know that there is something within us that wants to be more, that wants mm-hmm. to be bigger. Mm-hmm. And so the initiates journey is what this life is about. It's everything up until this point and everything that will happen. And, you know, everything is a cycle. You know, who I am now, foundationally at my core is still the same, but I look different, you know, from Mm -hmm. even a month ago. Mm. So our experiences, you know, serve to help spiral us up which is a whole nother level. So you never, I don't necessarily know if you ever stop being an initiate. I feel like it's, mm-hmm. you know, this constant journey of unfoldment. But I, I guess I'm not even sure if I explained that clearly, but I would say that an initiate is anybody who is on the journey of life, mm-hmm. who is evolving in some way, right. teaching, and, teaching in one way and still being a student, right. you know? So you don't have to, your life is the mystery school. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to the temples in these indigenous lands, even though that I think it's powerful to visit them because they do remind you that you right. can do it. But the way our lives are set up, how we handle things is what helps us to evolve. I love that. So, yeah. That's powerful. And so how are you, like kind of what's next for you? Now you've been to Kemet, yeah. you're using your voice, you have this album out. Um, what's next for you? Oh, what's next is being able to, um, because I've been getting a lot of downloads, like, oh, you know, 
start a writing program for youth, mm. be able to um, hold this retreat here or do this. And I just was like, you know, kind of resisting it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I go to Kim, it's like, okay, Deanna, <laughs> you gotta get on this. So I would say, honestly, right now, there's a lot, there's a couple um, books that are birthing mm -hmm. right now. I'm kind of like, okay, sketching it out. Right. The whole time I was over there, I wrote the entire time and I shared most of what I, not most, I shared what was placed in my heart to share on Facebook and a little bit on Instagram. And through the sharing, I realized that um, there's more for me to do there because mm -hmm. I had a lot of people really following like, oh my God, I feel like I'm there. Right. A lot of people, a couple people messaged me, like I'm remembering certain life past lifetimes and I haven't been there in this lifetime but I'm remembering mm -hmm. and I'm just like okay so again realizing that one of my gifts is that I write I'm a scribe right so being able to write and present the teachings in a way that really connects to the heart mm. and helps all of us along our journey absolutely you know so that's that's one um when I was going to Kemet while I was there and even coming back, so much music has been coming through. Mm. And I'm just like, okay, so I'm already like getting back in the studio and I was hearing what the music sounds like. So looking for the musicians and beautifully enough, meeting them without even trying. It's like, That's magical. you know, and um, so an album, which is going to be inspired by the time there, mm -hmm. just creating spaces Whatever that looks like, wherever I'm being called to go, um, and a lot of it will be collaborations because I do mm -hmm. feel we get further when you come together. Right. But just creating the spaces for people to heal. Mm -hmm. That's the overall thing. How that expresses itself and plays out. I feel like um, my silent partner, as Reverend Cheryl calls it, <laughs> um, and my, my team will let me know. Mm. My charge is just to continue to to do and be who I am and um, be open right. to that download to come through and the and your silent partner up. being spirit spirit okay. yeah yeah because yeah. once I get into trying to figure out the how I get frustrated <laughs> and then I don't even end up moving at all right and it's just like no just focus on the what you know what to do mm -hmm. you know to keep sharing right um so yeah definitely more music is coming and mm. some uh type of book is coming through right now as That's well. Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Is there any last thing that you want to leave the listeners with and the viewers since we don't be on YouTube? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, what you think is big for your life isn't. Mm -hmm. And who mm -hmm. you think you are isn't. There is more to you than you can imagine. Um, Everything that you've experienced up until this point and even what will come after is for a very specific reason. Mm -hmm. And you are so loved and adored by an infinite universe who only wants the best for you. Right. Only wants the best for you. You are supported every step of the way. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is say help. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. That reminded me, we just had a full moon ceremony and mm -hmm. you shared a practice 
that I think was very magical. Can you share that practice? Yes. So, um, you know, the heart gets a lot of love. And I love the heart. Like, you see, I'm all in green. So right. it's like, you know, I love the heart. Activating that heart yes, chakra. Yes, you know, I love the heart. And, the, and if there's an example, again, going back to finding examples in nature, looking at your own body, the heart is such a pure example of loyalty. Mm-hmm. You know, she's been beaten, beaten nonstop. So I was in my bed one day and I was looking at my body, <laughs> just looking, and I was like, wow. And I looked at my, my toes and I was like, man, there's parts of my body that is just holding it down for me mm-hmm. that I'm not even aware of. Mm-hmm. I don't have to tell my heart to pump. I don't have to tell my lungs to breathe in, breathe out. Like it does, every, everything is, is well thought out. Mm-hmm. And so I literally, this one day, I just started at my feet and I just, my toes really, and just was like, thank you. Thank you so much for making it possible for me to stand. Thank you, ankles. You know, thank you, toes. Thank you, all my joints in my feet, all the pressure points in my feet. And then I I started rising up. So, you know, my shins and my calf muscles and my knees and like Mm. literally just thanking the parts that I knew Mm -hmm. by name. And then I would say, getting chills thinking about it. Like, (laughs) you know, even the parts that I know, I don't know by name, but I know you're there working on behalf of me so that I can be here to fulfill what I'm here to fulfill. Mm. Thank you. That is profound gratitude for your physical body. That is the most beautiful thing. Yeah, because it hears you. Right. And then you feel like, I think I was on a high for the rest of that week. Wow. And it's because I took time. It's like, oh my God, she sees us. She Mm -hmm. sees me, you know? And it's like, when you really look at what your body does for you without, and again, I'm still discovering what all the body does. Absolutely. Because a lot of people say you have to control the body. Why control it? Work with it. Mm -hmm. Talk with it. We don't want to be in a controlling relationship with other people. Mm -hmm. Why would we do that to our bodies? Right. Just talk with it. Mm -hmm. Express your appreciation. I love you. Mm -hmm. Like I'm at a point where I just look at myself sometimes like, girl, I love you. And I can look at myself and not look away. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And then I look at my body, it's just like, oh, thank you. And I have long, long fingers. And I, when I was little, I used to ball my hands up a lot because they were just really long fingers and I was kind of mm-hmm. embarrassed. But now I'm just like, you give me the opportunity to write healing music. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I can heal with these hands. You need it to be long, you know? Right. <laughs> you had a lot to mm-hmm. do, you know? And so it's just, I'm, I'm getting to that point where I realized that everything was provided for, even this body right. that I get to journey in for the time that I'm here. Mm-hmm. So it's such a gift. It's a gift. Such a gift. It's a gift. And you're such a gift. Oh, thank you. Thank so you so much. <laughs> so tell the people where they can find you. Absolutely. So um, you can find me on, as far as my music, the album is titled Tsunami, T S U N A M I. Um, Deanna Carpenter. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, all of the online streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. My website is www.dellesings.com. 
I'm on Instagram at she who builds. See my shirt. I love the shirt. <laughs> Thank you. She who builds, and I'm also on Facebook, Deanna Carpenter. So I'll be expanding into Twitter. I had an account, and I just didn't get Twitter. But I have someone who's helping me now, working nice. with me, who's like, yeah, we're going to get you back on Twitter. I'm like, okay. You know, <laughs> get the Twitter well, streets. so beautiful. Oh, and thank, thank you. you so much for coming on. We're thank just going to throw you. some love at the people. Yes. Until next time, Until love next yourself, time. love others, and love the world. Yes. Bye. Bye. Are you ready to turn your pain into power and create your own reality? Are you ready to heal your physical body and open your spiritual mind? Are you ready to love your authentic self and live your inner truth? Are you ready to raise your vibration and manifest success? Ask yourself, are you ready to forgive your past and find your soul tribe? I know how firsthand how it can be scary to change your life, but I also know the freedom and absolute joy that lies on the other side of fear. The truth is that you are far more powerful than you think, and I know you will come out of this amazing journey more self-confident, authentic, and fierce. I want you to open your eyes to the limitless potential you hold inside and the abundant greatness waiting to manifest in your life. I can't wait for you to discover the full range of who you really are and see that the path you've been searching for has been within you the entire time. In my book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce, you will learn how to turn common obstacles into seeds for growth. So pre-order my book, receive your 10 free fierce meditation, and join me on the journey to living fiercely. Fiercely.